At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Thursday show for you. A lot to do. Steve Cerruti of The Ringer will join us, talk some NBA. You hear him all the time with uh, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rossillo. He does a great job breaking down the NBA, so he'll join us to talk about uh, the Mitchell stuff, which we touched a little on yesterday, Durant, uh, some Rookie of the Year odds. So looking forward to talking with Steve. Uh, we can really go in any direction here because the Mitchell stuff is the hot topic. I gave you my thoughts on it yesterday. I'll, I'll touch on it in, you know, just briefly here uh, before we get to Steve. I just, I'm against giving everything I have for your not top 10 player. I just think, you know, overpaying for a guy who's a good player, not a great player is, is a dangerous way to go. So be tricky to see, you know, what age, what the Jazz want from the Knicks. Can you do the deal without giving up Barrett? Uh, do you, can you hang on to some of your picks? Obviously, you'd be interested at a price, but at what price? Uh, who knows? So we'll talk about that with Steve coming up. But baseball is the story. Both teams in action yesterday. We talked about the Mets. Just a great job to win two out of three in Atlanta. They are in Chicago tonight at Wrigley to take on the Cubs. Mets minus 135. The total is down to 7.5. It opened at 8 here at Bet Rivers. Um, I like the Mets. I think they are in a different class than the Cubs. I can't let up here for the Mets. You can't let up because, look, you did a great job winning two out of three. The situation you're in with all your injuries, you know, the pitching lined up uh, in Atlanta's favor, and you go in there and not only hold ground, but you make up ground. You, you extend your lead where, you know, we're doing the show Sunday uh, before the show Monday, and we said, you know, it's not impossible. If the Mets don't win on Monday, it's not impossible they get swept here because the matchups Tuesday and Wednesday were not favorable for the Mets. But obviously Scherzer pitches a great game Monday, 
and then they split the next two with Bassett uh, coming up big as the Mets win two out of three. The Mets have shown you some guts here, so good job by the Mets, but by the same token, can't take the foot off the gas because the Braves, guess who they play again? They got four with the Nationals starting tonight. Kyle Wright going uh, against Anibal Sanchez, who's still in the league somehow. Actually pitched pretty well for the Nationals, what was it, three years ago, 2019 in that World Series run, but the Nationals just have no pitching. The Nationals are a dreadful baseball team. And I would expect Atlanta to win at least three, if not four, of these games. It's tough to ask, you know, because the Braves played the Nats last week. They won three, playing them again four this week. So it's tough to just expect, no matter how bad a team is, to expect one team to beat them seven straight. But I think it's at least three and one. I wouldn't be shocked if the Braves win all four of these games or in Washington for whatever that's worth, which probably isn't much. So probably getting three and one out of Atlanta minimum. Wouldn't be shocked if they go four and oh. So if you're the Mets... Um, if you want to keep your three-game loss column lead, you got to go three and one, two, or four and zero, oh, or match whatever Atlanta does. I think if you won three out of four in Chicago, you could just live with whatever Atlanta does. Going to the All-Star break, feeling good about yourself, two-game lead or so in the loss column. Uh, if you held it at three this weekend, you feel great going into the All-Star break. As Degrom creeps closer to getting back, you get some of your bats back. Uh, you probably make a deal or two at the deadline. I'm sure they will. So. Mets are in good shape here. I like them tonight, minus 136. I like them. Boy, it's got it's gone up since yesterday, which it makes sense. I mean, it was minus, I think it was minus 138 yesterday for the division. It's now minus 148. Sometimes they're a little slow to update the division odds. So you can find some good value if you're always on top of this, checking out the odds. Uh, sometimes those division odds are, are quick to move or are slow to move, and you can be um, on top of it and get some good numbers just by being quick. So Mets minus 148 now to win the division. I don't like that as much as yesterday. I thought you know, 138 is a good price. Uh, 148 is more of a fair price. So I like the Mets tonight. They take on the Cubs tonight and three more after tonight. Uh, I think it's tomorrow afternoon. Then they play Saturday. Then they play Sunday. And then we got the All-Star break. So uh, great job by the Mets beating the Braves two out of three as Atlanta now uh, faces Washington and should just beat up on the helpless, punchless, just dreadful Washington Nationals. Boy, it's amazing they won a World Series three years ago because they are an awful, awful baseball team. But good job by the Mets as they get a little healthier and we get towards the All-Star break. The Yankees win last night. They play the Reds again tonight. It's Cortez versus Castillo. Yankees minus 195. Total is eight. Reds have played the Yankees tough. The Reds really should have beaten them. I mean, you could say the Yankees should have won game one. But you could say the Reds should have won game two. They had a late lead yesterday. And they were up 4-0. Severino got bombed, and Severino's the story. Left with a, I think it was shoulder tightness, they called it. Apparently, he passed some of the strength tests, whatever that means, but they're going to wait for an MRI, which we don't have yet, and that will determine, you know, what the next course of action for Severino is. My guess is he's going to miss at least a start or two, which is not the end of the world. You just hope with all of his injuries and how well he's pitched this year that it's just, hey, he's a little fatigued, whatever it is. You rest him through the All-Star break, maybe a week or so after that. In a couple weeks, he can start pitching, and he can look like Severino again last night because he got lit up last night, and he wasn't – it's like he was throwing 85 miles an hour, but his velocity was down. He was mid-90s instead of upper 90s, and he got hammered. He gave up back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back homers. But the Yankees do come back and win. Uh, and like I said, the Reds should have won last night because the Reds are up 4 nothing. First and third, one out after Judge got called out on just a terrible strike three. Judge gets some brutal calls against him, and he's hit a bit of a slump here. Part of it's his fault, part of it's the umpire's fault, a lot of it's his fault, but uh, the terrible strike three call on Judge, ball, foot off the plate, and the umpire was awful last night, just awful. I mean, basically guessing up there, giving, I mean, he had the biggest zone ever. It's amazing that game went over, and we had 13 runs because that umpire was awful last night. But first and third, one out early in the game, I think it was third, fourth inning, 
Rizzo hits just a tailor-made double play ball in India uh, at the second baseman. Basically falls over, boots it, goes for an RBI. Uh, I guess fielder's choice because you can't assume the double play. And then the floodgates open. The Yankees score four more times, take a 5-4 lead. Kiner Falefa, who, boy, bittersweet to see him get a hit because root for the Yankees, bet the Yankees. And, you know, he comes through with a three-run double. I think he got all of that ball, too, and it, I don't even think it reached the warning track. So you're happy he gets a hit, but you know that keeps him in the lineup for another couple months because uh, they just seem to love Kiner Falefa, who later in the game made it an error, his 11th of the season. He is now tied for the lead in the American League for most errors. So this is a guy who's a defensive wizard who who can't field. So uh, the Yankees do come back and win. They win on a wild pitch. The, the Reds just played some bad defense. Like I said, India blew the double play ball. Uh, there was another scenario where... Was it kind of flavor? It was. Uh, it was Torres got a hit, and Rizzo was hung up between second and third. Just basically gave himself up, stopped running, conceded that he was going to get tagged out, and got himself in a rundown. And the Reds screwed up the rundown. Vado didn't trail the other guy, and uh, it just it was a lack of communication. Just terrible fundamental fundamental baseball by the Reds. Just awful, awful baseball. You can see why they're so bad. They actually got some pitching, a couple bats here and there. They shouldn't be this bad, but they just play some awful defense, and they lose. Um, in extras as well, I was really surprised. Like I said, Judge has been struggling, but the 10th inning, King gets out of it. So you have the ghost runner at second for the Yankees, nobody out, base open, and they actually pitch to Judge and they strike him out. Um, but after that, a couple wild pitches with Stanton up. I don't know if they called them pass balls or wild pitches. You could have gone either way. But the Yankees win on a walk-off where they really didn't do anything. I mean, they really, it was just a couple, a couple of wild pitches, a couple of walks. They intentionally walked Rizzo. Well, and then was Stanton up with two strikes of all things. And I think Stanton was going to strike out even with the man on third with one out. He just looked uh, overpowered. He, he looked, you know, his bats looked a little slow here as he's gotten a little older. Uh, you know, he hits that. He can hit breaking balls. He can hit guys that don't throw as hard. But his, and he hit the game tying homer. So he can still produce. He's had a, a decent year. He hasn't had a great year. But his bat has looked a little slow. And I thought he was going to strike out last night. But he did not. As wild pitch, wild pitch, Yankees win. Break the three-game losing streak, but they have bigger concerns here as Severino is now hurt. You know, they've had so many injuries the last few years. It was almost like too good to be true because last, you know, the last few years, Judge and Stanton and the pitching, this year they've just had a, basically a clean bill of health throughout. They've used the same five starters every night pretty much. Um, you know, Sears pitched here and there just to give guys a, a rest, and he came in did a decent job. He's a good pitcher. Uh, so, you know, could they actually trade for a starter? The guy pitching tonight, Castillo, is someone they've been rumored to be interested in. If Severino is, you know, uncertain going forward, would they actually trade for a starting pitcher? I still think they need a bat. Gallo, like we, we know, has been awful. Kiner Falefa is just a black hole in the lineup. I would want a bat and definitely a starter. Maybe they go that route instead of the relievers because Loisga sounds like he could be back tonight. He's close. Herman might be back. Maybe you put him in the bullpen. So maybe they have enough bullpen guys. Now, bullpen guys are the one thing you can usually get. They don't, they don't cost that much. They're readily available. You know, you can get somebody's setup guy, somebody's closer. You know, relievers are available. So maybe they, I don't know. It's interesting because if Severino is in some trouble here, the Yankees who had all the starting pitching. Look, Tyone hasn't pitched well. Cortez, who was great the first, you know, quarter of the season, his last five or six starts, he's gotten hammered, absolutely hammered. Uh, we'll see how he responds tonight. Cole has been really good, not great. Um, so Montgomery is solid, but would you want one more lights-out pitcher? You could make the case for it. I think it depends on Severino. 
Um, it depends. You know, Tyone's a free agent. Do you trust him in a playoff spot? It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Now, you know, these other teams are going to want the Yankees' big-time prospects, whether that's Volpe, Peraza. So that hasn't been the Yankee way lately to be frivolous with these prospects like they used to be. Yankees are, you know, they take the long view. They're conservative financially. They're conservative with prospects. So we'll see what the Yankees do with the deadline. As far as the game tonight, like I said, minus 195 for the Yankees. Total is eight. I would go under. I think Castillo's a really good pitcher. It's a right-handed dominant lineup for the Yankees. That's a good matchup for Castillo. And I think I've got a feeling Cortez gets back on track. This is a lineup, you know, I hasn't seen him. You know, he can use his different deliveries, his different arm speeds, different uh, repertoire to, you know, keep them off balance. I think this is a lineup that he could handle. I would expect a well-pitched game by both sides tonight. Maybe, as I go to the Bet Rivers app here, maybe the first five under four and a half is a better play here. Because, you know, the Reds do have a bad bullpen, and you could see this thing getting out of hand late. And if it's 4-4, you lose. So I like the under just directionally, but maybe the under first five is a safer play. And I think it would be. So, you know, you could split your bet. You could go halfway under eight, halfway under the four and a half for the first five. But I do like the under tonight. I think we're looking at a well-pitched game, and I like the Mets. Um, One other thing. Otani at Bet Rivers here is plus 125 to win the MVP. That's actually a really good number because he has been dominant with the bat, with the arm. He's been unbelievable pitching. Judge has slumped. Uh, 125 is a good number. Now, I've mentioned before, Judge at even money. Or Judge, it was, I think Judge was 3-1 to one where I was like, look, this is a good number. This is going to move. And it did. It got to even money. It got to where Judge is a minus. Now Otani's plus 125. Judge is plus 150. It's basically between them two because... Uh, Alvarez is hurt. He's out for at least a month or so. He's not going to win it. And then you have Trout, who I couldn't see winning it. Devers, Jose Ramirez. I mean, these guys are having good years, but it's a two-team race, barring, you know, Otani and Judge both being hurt or barring something totally unforeseen. Again, we do have like a half a season left, so maybe that's an overreaction. But Otani at plus 125, get it while you can, because I think that number is going the other direction. I think there's going to be a minus sign in front of that. And it's going to be a fascinating debate. You know, there are people say you can't do any more than Otani. You heard Jason Weingarten on the other day saying, you know what? Anyone who thinks Judge is the MVP is nuts. Otani pitches. He hits. What more can he do? Which is fair. There are going to be other people, though, that say, you know what? His team is irrelevant. I know he hits and he pitches, but his team is bad. And we saw this last year. We saw him do it last year, so we're kind of over it. Uh, It's not new anymore. And, you know, people like new. Voters like new. So, it's a fascinating exercise. I don't know how the voters think. We don't even know who the voters are. It's, it's baseball writers. We know that, but we don't know specifically who the writers are. And we saw Joel Sherman in the New York Post say the other day he wouldn't have Otani in his top five. He would vote judge. And to him, the word valuable means something. And Otani's been spectacular, but you can't call him valuable because the team hasn't win. So we've been over this debate a bunch of times. You know, past years where A-Rod was great with the Rangers. Uh, you know, Trout's been really good on bad teams. You go through this debate where, hey, this guy's got the best stats. He's the most outstanding player. But valuables about winning kind of gets it. Honestly, it gets to be a tedious argument. It's a good argument. It's a fascinating. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, it's it, it does get a little tedious, though, because, look, you, I mean, you could say, you know what? This guy's not responsible for his teammates just because Otani has bad teammates. Like, if he were on the Yankees, would the Yankees be worse? If you replace Judge with Otani, would the Yankees be worse? It's... It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I would, you know, I think it's important too to try to remove your own opinion from it. 
because we don't vote on this stuff. You have to get in the heads of the voters, which makes it tricky. I still think Judge has a very good chance, but I think Otani at plus 125 is just such a good number where that thing's going to be minus 175, minus 200 with another couple good performance. And if Judge keeps slumping, uh, of course, Judge is going to have another run here where he gets hot and maybe, you know what, people at the end of the year look up and Otani's team's got a bad record. Judge has great stats. And you know, Judge is going to get some votes. He's going to get some consideration. Bottom line, it's a fascinating MVP race. But uh, as far as the number right now, if you had nothing in pocket, I think Otani plus 125 at Bet Rivers here is an outstanding bet. So that's the baseball. We'll talk a little NBA. Will the Knicks, Knicks get Donovan Mitchell? Should they? Where's Durant going? We will answer all of those questions and more with Steve Cerruti. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, let's talk a little NBA. Our guest, you can hear him on the ringer. He's a producer. You can hear him with Bill Simmons, Ryan Rossillo. He does a great job talking NBA, talking life advice. Uh, he's kind of a hybrid of, I would say, Hubie Brown and Dr. Phil, somewhere in between. It is Steve Cerruti. Steve, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. What a compliment. Thanks. Uh, that's awesome. I'm Dr. Phil. I love Hubie, so I'll take it, man. Appreciate you having me on. You have a guy in Steve Cerruti. Uh, yeah, he's uh, Hubie's the best. He's still going. I think he's like 90 and he's still going. He's uh, he's incredible. Um, I guess we'll start here with Mitchell. It's the story of the day, especially with the Knicks. Um, I think it oversimplifies it to be like, I would want him. I wouldn't want him. Uh, everything you know has a price. I guess the question is, what would be the cutoff where you know this is too much or this is not enough? What's the cutoff here if you're the Knicks between for you know what you give up? I kind of feel like that if you're the Knicks, you just have to like do whatever it takes to get him. Uh, I don't think that's the right. I don't think that I would say the same for every single franchise. But in the Knicks case, like they've just it's been so long since they had since they were them. I mean, obviously you go back to the Carmelo days, but those teams weren't that great. I mean, just to just to get somebody of his caliber in his prime, who's exciting, who also like is kind of from around the area and like wants to be on your team. And I think you saw a lot of the stuff that happened in the draft, like they were sort of setting up to have the like the eight first round picks that they could potentially send back in this trade. I mean, listen, I would I would not I would not really want to send eight first round picks if I didn't have to. Um, I also don't really love giving up R.J. Barrett, but I don't know why. You know, I I don't know. I, I don't see a, a, a place in which the you know, Utah would do that without him in the deal. I like RJ as a player. I saw a couple of people, there was like a, a report today about executives around the league saying that RJ Barrett had more value around the league than, than a guy like Tower Hero did, which I actually think is kind of interesting. And I, I sort of do agree. But if I'm all, also from Utah's perspective, I definitely want to trade him to New York because I, I feel like the Knicks are way more volatile and those picks might be, <laughs> might be a little bit more valuable than the Heats come, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven years down the line. So if I'm the Knicks, I... You know, I don't do I also do I love the fit with with uh, Jalen Brunson? Not really. Uh, two guys who are pretty terrible defensively, both smaller guards, um, both kind of like hybrid guards. Uh, I don't know. I don't love the fit, but I think if for the Knicks, man, like you're just trying to be relevant. You're just trying to attract guys like get the talent in and sort of figure it out later. So why well, don't want to give up eight round, first round picks? If that's what it takes, I I kind of lean towards you have to do it. So if if I told you you could have them, you could have them without Barrett. And eight first round picks. I mean, is that really that? That seems like a lot. I guess it's, uh, it's uh, Ainge is really he's going to drive a hard bargain. What he got for Gobert is just ridiculous. 
Uh, so you would pull the trigger. Eight first-round picks, you would hit send. It, here's the thing. I mean, again, Ainge is also the guy that you, like, don't want to be trading with because he wins every trade, basically, right. that he does. So, you know, obviously, you know, usually you win the trade when you get the better player, and the best player is in this deal is going to be Donovan Mitchell. Like, you're going to be getting a bona fide all-star, one of the better scorers in the league. I think he'll be more motivated. I, I think this last year, like, you know, his stock has never really been lower since he came into the league, and a lot of that is because... You know, like, I just don't think he wanted to be in Utah last year. I don't think he liked the team. He certainly didn't like Gobert. That thing is sort of run its course. And, you know, here we are. I think it's smart that Utah's, you know, obviously shopping him now, even if they're trying to do it somewhat quietly. But, uh, like I said, if, I, if I'm a Magic fan. I wouldn't do that if I was the Magic. Um, but we're in a different circumstance than you guys are. And I think if I was Miami, you know, would I give up Hero, maybe Duncan Robinson? I mean, shit, Duncan Robinson, you, you'd want to give up in that trade. Um, and, and, you know, a similar amount of first round picks, like maybe, uh, because you're Miami and you, you, you know, it's a stable organization. You don't feel like you're going to bottom out anytime soon. Um, but I just, again, I think the Knicks are kind of in desperation mode where, you know, I think it's a worthy risk. It's a massive risk, but I think it's a worthy risk. So I say, if you can get a guy like that, you know, a guy you haven't had that of that talent since, like I said, Carmelo, I just kind of think you have to do it and then let the chess pieces fall where they may. Yeah, I thought of Mello too because I don't want to do a Mello deal where it's like, all right, I give give up everything I have, then I have Mello, and he's not enough to carry. You know, once I bring him to a roster without anything around him, mm-hmm. so I'd worry about that. Would you give any thought? And I've watched a little bit here and there. I guess they've looked really good in the summer league. Grimes has looked good. They've got some nice young pieces. I don't know that they have a future All Star, but would you give any thought to say, you know what? For once, we're the Knicks. For once, we're not going to chase the you know the shiny object. We're just going to let this thing grow organically and go that way, or, or would you just, you know, it sounds like you'd pull the trigger. I just, like, I like some of the Knicks young players, but I don't, I also don't think they're they're going anywhere with those players. Like, I don't think, like, I like Obi Toppin probably more than the average guy does, but I don't think Obi Toppin's, like, changing your franchise in any way. Like, I like Grimes, like, it's, it's the same thing. And, you know, if you're, I think they're kind of in a situation where, like, they want to be relevant now. And then I think, you know, we, we've seen in the NBA, like, you know, if you, if you, you know, piece some decent players together and you become interesting, other players want to play with you. And that's, to me, that's the that's the thing that the Knicks haven't had for so long is that, like, nobody wants to be the first guy to go to New York. And if you get that guy in the door, does that does that sort of open the door for other all-stars to say, yeah, I want to play in New York with Donovan Mitchell. And, like, you know, I, I, I think that's, I think that's a, a, again, that's a bet. I think you kind of have to be willing to take it for the Knicks. Because, again, I don't, I just don't think any of those guys, like, as much as I like RJ, even if, in a, in a, you know, if you don't want to give up RJ, I don't think RJ, like, is his best case scenario the third best player on a really good team? Is it maybe the second best player? I, I, I just, I don't think you're, I don't think you're losing much by giving that guy up to get a bona fide all star player in the league that you, that otherwise, you know, you probably aren't going to have on your roster. Yeah. I mean, it's a much smaller scale, obviously, but we saw the Clippers do that with George and Kawhi, where it's, hey, we're giving up all this for George, but we know Kawhi's coming. And you don't know that with Mitchell, but it's the same idea where, hey, we're going to overpay for piece A, hoping pieces B and C follow. So Correct. Uh, I guess I buy it from that perspective. Uh, do you think they ultimately pull, ultimately pull the trigger on her? Or do you think, uh, you know, how do you think this plays out? Because again, Ainge drives a hard bargain. This is not going to be cheap. Do you think they get it done? I think what complicates this is the Kevin Durant aspect of it. Because like, obviously Miami would like Kevin Durant too. I don't think the Knicks should be in the market for Kevin Durant. Like I wouldn't trade any of those guys for KD because you're just not in the situation where you're going to win now, like win a championship now mode. Um, so I, I'd almost like wait it out. I mean, I know this is like kind of risky, but you know, if, if Miami somehow does get involved and, and gives up what it's willing to take to get Durant, then you're kind of the, you're, you're probably Donovan's only real team that he wants to go to. Like as much as it doesn't matter, like, yeah, all right, he has a contract. You could trade him anywhere. Like 
whoever's trading for him is going to want to know that he wants to be there for the most part. Like they're not going to just trade him to San Antonio because they have the assets, for example. Um, I mean, maybe, but I ain't just insane. Maybe you never know. I mean, maybe some team could convince that. But like, if I'm the Knicks, I'm almost like, if Miami's out of the picture and they get KD, but then you're also taking the risk because if they don't get KD and KD ends up going to like Phoenix or something, then Miami's probably going to push all their chips in. But I think you're still in the same boat. And at the end of the day, is is whether or not your your package is is the best package. And for me, like I think that is the I think the Knicks package. If if all those things are taken into account, I think that is the best package. So um, I, I do I do think it's extremely realistic that that they pull the trigger and they get that thing done. Yeah, because if you're Utah, I mean, why why have a half measure here? You already got rid of Gobert. You're not competing for yeah, anything. Yeah. It's just if you're gonna tear the bandaid all the way off. So I agree with you. Uh, makes sense. I, and I like what Utah is doing. I know. Uh, nobody really cares because it's Utah, but they're setting themselves up nicely for the future. They've got yeah. a hell of a lot back for Gobert. I mean, I, you got to like right. what Utah's done. You're right, but the, and it's like the same thing with like Presti and OKC, and and obviously now the Spurs have a ton of picks. Um, but the problem is like we're going to get to a point in the draft when like half the teams have half of yeah, the, half the picks, and they're actually going to become significantly less valuable. And yeah. here's the other problem too: is like at the end of the day, like if Victor Wembanyama or whoever in the next couple years is like that dude there's a good chance whoever has the first pick isn't trading that pick no matter how many picks you give up. Oh, yeah. So, like, you you still have to kind of get lucky in the lottery with these guys. Like, yeah, certainly, like, sure, you can move up in the draft in certain aspects, but, like, if you really want to go up and get a guy that everybody loves, you're, you're probably not going to be able to do that no matter how many first-round picks you have. So it's kind of a blessing and a curse in some ways. Like, the more teams have all these picks, the less valuable they actually become. Uh, Durant is on what team? I'll, I'll say Christmas to avoid, you know, some people cop out and say, you know, he's going to start the season with the Nets, then they're going to trade him, which I don't really buy. So let's use Christmas as the date. What team is Kevin Durant on Christmas? Christmas Day, we'll call it. Ah, uh, man, I, I really think it is between uh, Phoenix and, and and just staying in, in Brooklyn. Um, you know, there was a report today that came out that, like, Kyrie, even without KD, still wants to be in Brooklyn. I don't know how much truth there is behind that. Um, but... Like, if I'm – I'm not really a big DeAndre Ayton guy. Like, I think he's a good player, but I have this rule, and I stole this from um, Haralabob, who uh, basically said, like, I'm not paying any center a max contract unless his name is Joel Embiid or, or Nikola Jokic. I just don't think Ayton is a floor is, – is, is, like, a, is a ceiling or floor – well, he's, he's a ceiling raiser, maybe, but he's not a floor raiser. So, like, if you get him into this team, this Brooklyn team, and he's your best player, like, I don't, I don't think that's that great. And then you're paying him a max contract. So – I kind of understand why Brooklyn doesn't necessarily want to make that deal right now. Is going to wait this thing out and see if they can, you know, I don't know, figure out how to fleece somebody else. But, you know, at the end of the day, like KD is also going to, a lot of teams are going to shy away from trying to trade for him because they don't know if he's going to be happy there. And, and to, by all accounts, like the place he wants to be, the place he wants to be in is Phoenix and with the Suns. And I understand that. So I'd probably say it's Phoenix in some way. Maybe they work out like a, a three team deal where Phoenix or where Brooklyn doesn't take on eight and maybe he goes to like Indiana or something like that. Um, but I think outside, I mean, listen, I could very well be wrong. I was wrong about who the Magic took with the first pick in the draft, but I think I'd be really surprised if it wasn't Brooklyn or it wasn't, uh, or it wasn't Phoenix. I just don't think like the New Orleans of the world's like, I just don't think he, I don't think that as much as their assets make sense, I don't think he wants to be there. So like, why would they trade? Why would they give up real assets to try to get it? I've been adamant. It's going to be the Nets. I just think you got to satisfy three parties here. You have to satisfy the Nets who, they don't have their picks. This is going to go on Marks' resume forever. You don't want to be the guy that traded KD. You don't want to be the guy that set up Houston for their dynasty or whatever they're going to pull. I mean, speaking of teams that have a bunch of picks, mm -hmm. Houston's got a million picks. Uh, and it's just the Gobert trade. Again, the Gobert trade kind of reset the market where 
you know what? You're going to give away a bunch of players. Then Now Durant's not going to want to go there. Well, a bunch of picks don't do me any good because Durant's going to be on the team. Then the picks aren't any good. At the end of the day, I think if I'm the Nets, you know what? You got four years left on a deal. You have the leverage to kill a deal if you want. You can complain. You could be unhappy, but you don't have any leverage to force a deal. Uh, I'm, if I'm the Nets, look, I'll see you at training camp. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. Um, I just don't know that there's a player out because you're right. The, the Nets can't really bottom out, but I just don't know that there's a player out there that like doesn't let them bottom out. Uh, bottom out, and you know, the, the 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 Houston picks thing is a huge problem for them. It's a really huge problem for them, <laughs> and. and uh, so I, I, I'm kind of, I'm totally with you. I could, I could very easily see him being there next year. And I, and here's the thing too, is like, if they bring this thing back and, you know, they get a healthy sort of motivated Ben Simmons, like I still think they're pretty teams. good. Yeah. I still yeah. think they're all right. Like, I don't know. I would, am I counting out Kevin? They certainly have like three of the more talented players in the NBA on their roster. Not many teams can say that. So I don't know. I got, you know, maybe it becomes like so untenable that it just, they have to make a deal and they have to do it. But I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And you're from this area, so you realize what the Nets are. As soon as you hit send on that trade, you're irrelevant if you're the Nets. Nobody cares. I mean, nobody really cares about them locally now. But like the Nets, they're not the Knicks. They're just they're just kind of a you know a second class citizen. And once you trade Durant, like, it's going to be hard to get back to any sort of relevance, especially without your picks. Yeah, how long are you going to be able to bank on you know the Knicks? I know they've been terrible for a long time, and, <laughs> and like I, I you know we keep saying, oh, it's going to happen one day, but like. Once the Knicks are good, like they're just going to be absolutely buried. Like there's just no reason to even follow. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I, you're right. Um, doesn't mean that obviously they're thinking that way, but that's just the reality of the situation. Let's look at rookie of the year markets. Uh, before we get to the odds, let's just ask straight up: Who do you think wins? Uh, I think Paolo wins. I, I, okay. As much as I, I was a Chet guy going into the draft, I, I, you know, not my mind hasn't necessarily been changed. Although I think I think Paolo is going to be really good, but I also just think he was like built to. A, dominate Summer League, which he did in, like, two games. And he's also the most ready-made player to be awesome in year one. Um, you know, my thing was that I, I just thought Chet, like, the upside long-term and, like, who he could be and how unique he could be is uh, was was probably more valuable and I would take a risk on it. But I think I think he's actually in a great situation. I think he and Fra I think Paolo and Franz Wagner are going to – I I mean, listen, I'm I'm a Magic fan, so obviously there's some homer, even though I, I feel like I'm being objective here. But Playing team? I don't think it's that ridiculous to say they could for a playing spot. Like they're, if you look at last year, when they got Marco Fultz back, um, they were the number one defensive rating team in the NBA for like a good month plus stretch to end to end the season. Um, they're still not great offensively, but that you know it is what it is. Paolo hopefully will help out with that six ten guy who could basically do everything. Um, and they were about a five hundred team at the end of last year. So like if they you know if they go, if they could you know roughly play around five hundred basketball, which I don't think again I don't think is insane. Like you know say they end up, end it with like thirty six or so wins, like they're going to be in the conversation for a playing for a playing spot. So you know I don't know how trendy that is or how many people think that because I just don't know that that many people like are invested in Orlando Magic basketball and realize like that they actually kind of have a good amount of talented players on that team. Um, I I I think I think Paulo if certainly if, if they're sniffing if they're like it'll be like last year with Mobley where like Cleveland is like this surprise kind of fun team and they sneak into the play-in. I, I think that's a similar, I think Orlando could, could similarly expect that. And if they do do that, Paolo's going to win rookie of the year. Like, no, no doubt about it. Plus I think the other two guys, like I think you saw it in summer league, how dependent on good point guard play is for a guy like Jabari. I still think he's going to be great, but like, I don't, I think like Jabari struggling in, in uh, the summer league is, is a non-story. Like all there's nobody, he's the guy that is dependent on other people setting him up and nobody in the summer league is looking to set him up. They're looking to look for their own. They're looking to, you know, shine, get their own shots off. 
and make a mark for themselves. So that's not a place where Jabari is going to shine. But I do think he might struggle a little bit in that way because he's not going to always have the ball in his hands like these other two guys might. Um, and then Chet, you know, I think Chet, there's going to be night to night where there's going to be this like this crazy Chet excitement where, you know, he's filling up the stat sheet and he's like, lead pass is going nuts. Like, lead pass alert is going nuts because Chet's doing wild shit. But um, I think the consistency will, be, consistency will be there for Paolo. And I think the numbers will be there for Paolo. And if the numbers and the winning are there, then he's going to win rookie of the year. Yeah, uh, Paolo's the the uh, the short shot here plus three fifty. Holmgren's four to one, Jabari five to one, Ivy seven to one, Murray uh, Keegan Murray nine to one. Then you go Matherin twelve to one. I actually kind of like. Uh, then you go twenty five to one, Davis, Sharp, Daniels, Dang. If you're betting Holmgren, remember they could shut him down. It's the Thunder. If he's decent, they could, you know what, put him in a put him in a bubble somewhere and not let him play. So, yeah. Uh, Anyone as at long odds here that you like in terms of like sharp to me is interesting. Matherin's interesting. Anyone other than sort of the big three catch your eye? I mean, I think it's going to be hard for a guy to because Cade's it's it's year two Cade and I feel like it's going to be his show. Um, so I just don't know that like there's going to be the opportunities for Ivy to be there in year one. Yeah, I like Matherin, but again, like another he's got another you know, young but somewhat veteran guard in, in, in Halliburton next to him who's probably better than him too. So like I just don't know that the opportunities will be there for those two guys. Once you get beyond that, I, I just I don't I don't I don't see it. I think it's you know, I think it's one of those it's probably one of those three guys. Player comps are so stupid and they're so lazy, but they're so much fun. Um yeah, who, correct. who are you yep. thinking for Paolo? Because I can give you mine if you want. Who who are you thinking? To me he's he's not prime Blake I want Griffin. Yours first, yeah. He, yeah, he's not prime Blake Griffin, but he's not like washed up Nets Blake Griffin. He's more like Pistons Blake Griffin. Uh, who comes to mind for Paolo for you? I think it's a. I think you're right on the Blake Griffin thing, but not Clippers Blake Griffin. Like he, right. he's he's already so much more well rounded. I think than Blake was. Obviously, he's not as athletic, but he still is pretty athletic. I I've been you know the success story for me for Paolo being like a, a legit best player on a title team, like superstar is bigger Jason Tatum. That's 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 like that's who I've kind of been saying for him. Uh, I know it's like a little bit ridiculous because he he doesn't obviously have like, you know, the handle yet of, of like uh, not not that not that Tatum has a great handle, but like he's still more of a wing player than Paolo is. Yeah. But like Paolo is like a he he wants to be that kind of player. Like I don't think he's that's I like I don't think he's like Julius Randle, for example. Um I think, you know, he he is kind of that like power forward who's not really a center type guy. Like that's who he is. But I think his game lends itself a little bit more to the three than it does the five. So, you know, it's I think I think like a, a hybrid of Jason Tatum and like a, a, the skilled version of Blake Griffin is probably the right answer there. That's like the best case scenario. Yeah, you've been watching a lot of summer league. How do you separate what's real, what's not, what to pay attention to, what not to pay attention to? How do you sort of parse through that? Well, like I, I, I the nugget I had there about like Jabari and like people like he, Jabari didn't look great and he's not shooting the ball well, but it's it's like you know you have to understand like circumstance and like what that what that whole summer league situation is about it's a bunch of guys trying to impress front offices so that they can get roster spots and get paid right and you know so for like a guy like jabari who's going to be heavily reliant on whoever's feeding him the ball like that's the summer league just that's not that's not what he's going to get there so you just have to understand that to begin with i almost take nothing from jabari's summer league at all um you know chet i think for me in the first game that Chet played, like I got really excited about it. We did a Spotify Live, me and Kevin Clark, who's another Magic fan, and Magic fans got mad at us because we were just excited about Chet because both of us really wanted the Magic to take Chet. Not that they were, not that they're unhappy with um, with Paolo, but like for me, what I saw in Chet in that first game was just the validation of like he can do this stuff 
in a professional game. Like, I think it's going to take time. He's going to have to put a little bit of weight on. But, like, the shot blocking instincts are unbelievable. They're there. It doesn't, I don't care that, like, how many guys are going to be backing him down, like, Shaq 2003 style in the NBA today? Like, not very many. And that's what was funny about the Kenneth Lofton Jr. thing is, like, there aren't that many guys in the NBA that play like that. So I, I'm really not that worried when it comes to Chet and the body thing. I think he's going to figure out a way to, like, hit threes and be really impactful defensively. The one thing I worried about a little bit with Chet was, He's not. He's just not athletic enough to like get by guys off the dribble. Like I know he has the handle and stuff. So I don't. I don't know that that's ever going to be a thing that he can rely on, um, which I think you you probably could see from summer league. Um, and then the last thing you know with with, with Jabari is just uh, with Paulo is that you know I just think you know you saw all the skills you know showcase the guy. If if, if he's a whatever realized version of him, if that actually comes to fruition, like he's going to be probably an All NBA player. Um, you know, I, I'm not as worried about the defensive stuff. I think that's more of an effort thing. I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender, but I think he'll get there. But I think with Summer League, if you just have to look for, like, traits and things that stand out as far as, like, I've seen this in the league and then this will work. And that's why I thought some of the stuff I saw with Chet, some of the stuff I saw um, with all those top three guys, like, I think there's promising. Even if there's, like, a little bit of warts there right now, like, I think all of it is still pretty promising. Last one before we get you out of here. Uh, feels like the Wizards and the Blazers, both in the same boat kind of where they just missed their opportunity to – cash that chip in dame beal reset their franchise you know it's funny sometimes it's riskier to hold on to these guys than it is to trade them do you, do you feel the same way that you know washington portland both sort of missed their window here and it's just kind of stuck yeah i mean when you say miss their window though like i just don't think either of those teams you know what is their what was their window like being two years ago where you could have traded him for you know a go bear package that's what i mean not to win it all to, to cash this asset in yeah, I, it's just tough. Like I, I, you know, I'm I'm usually a blow it up guy. Like you know, by nature. Like if I'm not, if I know I'm not going to win a title, I'm like, all right, well, screw it. Let's reset and try to figure it out. Which I know front offices don't really think that way. Um, I'm not as like weird about the like, like I think everybody around the league knows. Like, all right, Bradley Beal wanted to stay in Washington because he wanted to make the super max. He wanted to get paid the maximum amount he can get paid, and then you know they're, they'll probably ask for a trade in a year. Um, and if you're if you're uh, if if you're the Wizards. Why, why can't you just trade him in a year? I don't know. Some team's going to get desperate to have a like a, an all-star caliber top, you know, 10 scorer in the league on their team. Like, I think there's still value in him. Like, so I don't, I don't think like the Wizards are going to have to pay the entire, you know, five whatever years of that contract out. So I, I didn't hate that signing as much as anybody else. But I still think he has value um, and you can get rid of him. Uh, and then with, you know, with Portland, you know, it's all about whether Dame is healthy or not. The problem is like, you know, I had never loved he and CJ together as like a, thing that you could like build the championship around and I think you know they got to a, a conference final western conference final and that's all great but I, I think they, that was kind of smoke and mirrors like I don't think they actually were in it's, it's kind of like um Dallas last year it's like all right they got there but is that really who they are so it's like a mid-major team making a run you know they're not going to win it all but they yeah. get to the elite eight it's a lot of fun so you know I would have traded both of those guys but I kind of understand like the logic in not doing it I mean if you're Portland like Dame is like a let a franchise sort of like legend hero like it's hard to trade that guy and especially because like you know, what are you going to get back for him? And, you, you know, you, some of these teams, some of these teams don't want to bottom out. Like they don't want to tank. I know Portland doesn't want to tank. Um, you know, it's not like every team is Orlando or uh, OKC where it's like, you know, or like, you know, the Sixers when it was the prime trust the process era. Um, some of these teams just want to be competitive and that's fine. I don't think either of them are going to be competitive with the current guy that they have there like long-term, but uh, you know, what's the best case scenario for Portland next year? Is it like the plan? Like there's too many good teams ahead of them. That's the problem. But Dame also doesn't want to leave. So, like, are you going to, like, throw his name, float his name out there and piss him off? And, the, and then, the, you know, the fans get mad at you because you're trying to trade a franchise legend. It's just a complicated situation. So, I don't know what exactly it was offered for Dame. But I, I just don't know, like, 
you know, I, I think he still has more in the tank. Whereas Beal is like, Beal is a secondary player to me. Like I still think that I still think Washington could potentially trade him to a contender in like a year or two. Yeah, it feels like these cap rules need to be adjusted, and it, it seems like it backfired because. You know, it was supposed to be a way to keep these stars with their team, and it's done that. But then these teams end up overpaying for their own guys. Like the Wizards, you know, go back to Wall. You draft a guy, you keep him, you sort of do everything right by the book. Then all of a sudden you look up and you've got a negative contract. And uh, I don't know what the solution is, but when you get these guys like Jokic, who I absolutely love, there's nobody who doesn't love Jokic, making like 45% of the salary cap. It's just it's hard to build a team, and I don't mm-hmm. know what's fair or what the solution is. It just seems like they need to tinker with these rules a little bit, which I'm, I think they will, but it's like anything. Once once you come up with another rule, there's some other unintended co- consequence for it. Yeah, and like the, I mean, the funny thing, too, is like you could argue like those guys are still underpaid even though they're making that much yeah. <laughs> percentage of the cap. Um but uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that's the constraint. I mean, that the thing is, like with with a, in a case like Denver, you know, you you basically there's really not much else to do with that roster. Like you you pay right. three guys, and those are your three guys, and like it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Um, so, you know, I think there are obviously teams like Golden State that like go above and beyond and don't really care about the the luxury tax and just going to pay into it. And they're you know they obviously want a title, so good for them. But not every team is going to do that. But I'm also gonna, you know, what do you, what's, what's the other, what's the opposite side of that coin? Like, you know, you're not paying Nikola Jokic the two-time MVP. Like, I just, don't, I don't think there's a, there really isn't a right answer in the, in the current situation. But I still think, like, I, even though Denver, like, they're a wild card, I still think they could, I still think they, they could potentially come out of the West next year. Why not? If they're fully healthy, like, that's a good team. Um, so you got to do what you got to do in some cases. Yeah, it's not like past years where you go into this season and it's only two or three teams and it's, you know, there's a lock in terms of this team's going to be in the finals, around the finals. I would say just looking at it, it's like six to eight really good teams, three or four more that have a chance. It's not like it has been in past years where there's a dominant team, which I think is good. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's not like the everyone, like there's four, there's six to seven teams seeing if they can knock off the one team. It's genuinely like a question mark. I was actually, I thought the play, I thought the, especially the East, I thought the East would be a little bit better than it was last year. Like, I think we got excited about like the potential of some of these yeah. matchups and it sort of fell short. Philly and, getting hurt, hurt it, I think. Oh, 100%. And, um, and obviously like Brooklyn not really being the team that we potentially thought they could have been was a problem. I mean, and then Chicago completely fell off a cliff at the end of the year. Obviously the Middleton injury sucked. So like we, we kind of got deprived of that, but I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think that's where, listen, as a, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't like what, uh, like your casual NBA fan wants. They probably want a Warriors or a Bulls or a Lakers, like where it's like, Hey, this is the team that everyone's chasing. But like for the, for the, you know, the, the night in night out, like league pass guys, like I, when it's, when it's six to eight teams that are like completely up in the air and anybody can win the title, that's, that's when the league is at its best for me. Yeah, and I think all fans like that because, look, if you're a Knicks fan, you want to say, hey, I'm one or two good moves away from at least being in the conversation here. You don't want to make mm-hmm. it seem like it's college football where it's some unsustainable goal. Totally. College to, football uh, is some is, unreachable goal. Yeah. yeah. I, it's like the same six teams in the in the Final Four every single year. Right. College football. Right. And, and yeah, to your uh, to your point, too, um, you know, I think uh, there's a, you know, there's just a lot of teams, I think, that can say – well, I guess I guess you'd say the era of like the the big three is sort of over, right? Like, there's really it's it's, For really, now at it's least. kind of two, and it's even like one and a half or like a bunch of good role players. I mean, so I I think like oh, you're right. The Knicks teams can talk themselves into being like, hey, we're one or two. You're right. You're one, we're one or two moves away from being a contender, and that's why again to get back to our original point, you probably have to make the Donovan Mitchell trade. Steve, this was a lot of fun, man. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, I'm at Saruti on uh, on Twitter. C E R U T I, not Sir Rudy. I'm not like some some knight of the round table. So I know people get confused about that. And uh, yeah, Ryan Rosillo pod. Um, we'll be doing stuff in the uh, the Ringer Gambling feed for some soccer stuff coming up uh, with the Premier League and Champions League coming back in a couple of weeks and, and months. So be on the lookout for that at the Ringer.
Steve, appreciate it. Uh, good luck with everything. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Steve Cerruti. We will be back on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, download, follow, subscribe, everything we tell you to do. Just do it. That makes things a lot easier uh, for both of us. Just do what you're told. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the baseball. We'll see if we get any NBA news over the weekend. If we do, maybe we'll drop on with a little, uh, a little quickie pod. But other than that, we'll see you guys Monday. This is the New York City Cats presented by Bet River Sportsbook.